at this place, but look far beyond this place to what you're doing in the entire world, to what you're doing in different parts of our earth that perhaps nobody ever sees. Areas where we'll never hear the reports except on the special occasions like this. But we know that you're moving and we're excited about what you're doing because we know that one day when we stand around the throne and worship, there will be people there from other countries and other nations, other languages who have found Christ just like we found Christ. I pray that we would never become so focused on just our world, but realize there's a whole world outside of Lakeland. And it may be 10 miles away, it may be 10,000 miles away. I pray that we would open our hearts, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak beyond what words we have. That our hearts would be changed and challenged being in your presence today. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen, amen and amen. Well, I want to introduce you to my brother. Don't we look like brothers? <laughs> hmm? Yeah. I've known him for 45 years. I was just a kid, and he was a little older than a kid. No, he was an older kid is what he was. But I've known him for 45 years, and he came to the States to greet my mom and dad. Mom and dad wave at everybody. They popped in late. They, for those of you that don't know, they were missionaries in Ghana, West Africa for 40 years. And now they're retired, and this is one of their sons. This is one of their sons. <coughs> One, one of many sons. I'm another son, but there's a whole lot more over there. But two of their sons are here today, and so you'll hear from us. How about that? And um, this is Reverend John Mahama. Notice the Christian name. He wasn't always a Christian. He used to be a Muslim. And I want him, first of all, to open up by sharing his testimony and how he found Christ. John? Amen. Uh, before I share my testimony, I want to thank the church for... Put your... Yeah. I want to thank the church for bearing through my shoes for my who was in pain and to go to the fields going back to their graves and things just meant to bury the pain like this and David and Ruth got pain and told them to stay there and pray and God gave David answer by passing him to die by machine. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. 
Okay, we're going to get into that a little more, but what he's referring to is that he has a girls' school. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but when they graduate, he gives them a sewing machine so that they don't go back to the streets where they came from. Gives them a job, gives them a trade. And so when we were there, I asked him when the graduation would be, and he said that he had postponed it. And I asked him why. And he said it was because he didn't have money to buy those sewing machines to give to each girl. So he would postpone the graduation until he accumulated that money. And when we returned from Africa, I casually mentioned it to you here at the church. And I want you to know again, as I've stated before, at the end of the service, people came up and gave me money to buy those all 22 machines, sewing machines. <coughs> yeah. And I, and I transferred it quickly, as quick as I could to him so then he could schedule the graduation, buy the machines, and do that. So when we stand here before you, I don't want you to forget. We want you to be in our prayer for us. So we just want to pray. I was born in uh, a Muslim family. My, both my father and my mother were Muslim. And when I was born, when I grew up, I can't remember if I was about four or five years when my father needed me to Maryland to train me. Okay. Let me explain that. He's saying that when he was a young boy, his father sent him to a malam, which is a teacher of Islam, to live with this malam so that the malam would teach him all the ways of Islam so that what he would grow up to be fluential in the Islamic religion. That's what he's talking about. So growing I was trying to do my best for the Lord. And in Islam, the hard work you do to open heaven doors for you to enter heaven, the judgment day, they will weigh your good and bad, your hard work and your laziness. And when your goodness overweighs your badness, then you go to heaven. But if your goodness or badness overweigh your goodness, no matter how you serve God, you will go to hell. You understand what he's saying? That's the religion of Islam. Your, so, your good has to outweigh your bad for you to go to heaven. Okay? I was working hard to go to heaven. But hard work. So after my Malam didn't have, uh, you know, like, I graduated from my Maryland and I went to do more because I told my parents I want to do a very good Maryland with big donors and build big mosques in this place and build Arabic school to be training Muslims. Okay, so that was what his goal was to become a Malam himself, to have a mosque, and to have a school that's in Arabic to teach other children how to be Muslims. That's what his goal was. So, when I was 17, I left my 
You understand, so his elder brother that became a Christian was a secret Christian, okay? He served God, but he didn't tell anybody. So, I sent my father to the hospital about five, six months, my father died. I came home. Then I have, I said, I have all the way to give some, uh, a big mother. She said to her to learn to achieve my, achieve, uh, what I was planning. I told my father, even though my father is not given to school, my big book and uh, my Arabic school, that you, God will give you long life to see what, to achieve what I'm planning. So I was planning to go back. Mm -hmm. One day I went to my brother's room. Mm -hmm. Even though I didn't respect his Okay, you understand that? So he went into his brother's room and found the Bible on the floor. And the Muslims will say that this book is an, it, it is a word of God, but it's expired. But he had reverence for the word of God, not to allow it to stay on the floor. Okay, so they called him on a loudspeaker like they do when it's time to pray. They pray five times a day. So when he heard it, then he, he put the book down and went to lead the Islamic prayer in the mosque. Only then to finish and come back and pick up the book, the Bible, and continue reading it. Within a while, we, this book organized me. I didn't know who he really totally empty. Why to let Goliath totally fall out from my mind? Being a one day big mother to build Arabic school is out of me. Building the big mosque is out of me. I was totally empty. This book really empty me. 
You hear what he's saying? So in the one week of reading it, all of his ambitions of being having a mosque, a big mosque and a school, all of those ambitions left him, and he began to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he had to be a secret Christian as well because of the consequence. Tell them the consequences if you become a Christian. If I come open, if you don't want somebody to see me to go to the world and say, and if my family allow me to be in their home, what will I get for who open me? If my my father died, but my brother, my father brother, if my uncle who's in charge of the family now have the right to see me and go to the world. You see, that's what Islam teaches. That's why you see this killing going on. Because they believe that if if they as a Muslim will kill a Christian, then God rewards them. Or if you're the parent and you allow your Christian child to be in your home, God will judge you. That's why they kick them out. So you have to kick me out. They, they believe me, but they consider me as a dead one and one they kick me out. So I went out to some innocent, no Christian, no priest to carry them. I went with only the dress I was wearing and the great pants I was wearing. That was all I, I, I went out with. So I was I to some homeless. So he kept coming every day asking for work to do so he could get a little bit of money to eat. And we were telling them that we didn't have work, but he continued to come. So one day, my mother said, we're washing clothes today by hand, no washing machines, <laughs> and you can help. So she, he worked with, he did that work on that day to help us wash the clothes. So after that, he did me two trips to so that uh, my belly was full. So after the washing of the clothes, they, we also gave him the job to cut the grass. No mower. We're talking a machete bending down to cut the grass. Okay, that's how we did it, and that's how he did it. But that one, that doing that helped me to get closer to Christianity. That's the way we God used those people to get to my life, to tell me, to help me, 
So that, so that's how he got saved. Then when you were saved, you felt the urge to witness to everyone in the in the villages in the you tell them in the Malams too. When uh, they give me work and I can feed myself, I have the burden to go back to them everywhere, including my mother. So I begin witnessing to them, Muslim people. I just thought I was mad because the level of standard I was. So in his witnessing, he even went back to the Malams with the Quran in one hand and the Bible in the other hand and said what the Bible said and inquired and made them to tell him why the Quran is different than the word of God and, Quran, and which is the truth. So they, they thought he was mad. They thought he was crazy. Quran will say, go So he continued to witness in the villages around our village and by walking to them and, and uh, visiting people. And then you started eight churches up there in that region. Yes. Wherever Vespers received me into his reach house, I become his son. Then I was using Baxter to go around preaching. Then he had a little building. 
upon the seventh day. Then he did that one to me. And that one helped me to go more. Mm. And finally, he, he trained me to be a driver. Amen. <laughs> I was moving higher and higher. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mm. So then uh, it came time for us, our family, to go on furlough. So we came back to the States, and while we were here in the States, his job was to watch over the house and also to b help build the Bible school that they were building at that time. Correct? Yes. So then when, when we returned back to Africa after being in the States for one year, um, Mom and Dad felt that they were to move from up north to the central part of the country and build another Bible school for the people in that region to be trained. And they gave him the option to stay up there in the north or to come down with them. Yes, I prayed. When they went to come to VH for one year, I have some. Before this time, he was able to help me. I opened eight churches. He helped me to build four churches. We have four buildings for the uh, four and the four was on the village. And God told me to go. To go with them. So I went with them. The, when I get there, I saw my fellow Nordmen all over the so, so what he's saying is, is that when he moved down with my parents into the central part, that was not his tribe. His tribe is from the north. Okay, so there's a different tribe in the central part. But yet when he went out on the streets of this city, he saw his tribe members, people f that had moved down for various reasons, work or whatever. And so he saw that these were his from his, his own tribe in the north. So God spoke to me to edit them, the gospel, and then get a place for them. And I wonder, I have seen him in my master's uh, house. And I said, to read them the gospel, why I can do that? But how will I get a place for them? And that's what I said to him. So I begin to preach to them. We I started the church, I went and told him he was my pastor, my master, my, uh, my pastor again. So he helped me to help the people. We get, uh, after that, when the church was growing, he called one pastor from the Bible school who just graduated, and we handed the uh, church to him. And God told me to start another uh, church. So I started again. So then in that region, you started uh, more than five churches. Now we have about seven churches. Now there's seven churches. Okay. So, but during this time, God was speaking him about going overseas. Now, Ghana has a river that passes through the country. So when... When he says overseas, he means across the river to a group of people who've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So tell us, the, on the first, your first visit, when you went overseas, 
You crossed on the west side of the country. So when they got there, it was late in the day. It was past six o'clock because it gets dark. They won't, there's people there that you can hire them and they'll take you across. But at six o'clock, they stop taking people across because it's, it's too dark. We stood there and I prayed, God, you divide the Red Sea for Israel. Today, I need your deliverance. Because I can't go back. God do something. Just some prayer and was standing. And I saw somebody in the water. Someone was in the water. He could see them in the distance on the water. It was that the creek, but you can see the water. We don't know if he was standing or just sitting on that, but he wasn't sitting in canoe. So he went, the canoe was the other side. You don't call it boat in Ghana. Canoe, you can call it canoe. You, he went to the other side, came and tied the canoe, came to our side. And vanished. So they, they prayed to cross this river. When they saw, when they finished praying their short prayer, they looked and they saw a man on the river, not in a canoe, but just moving towards them. So they said, Will you take us across? So the man went to the other side, untied the canoe, came over, they put the motorcycle in, took them across. The man tied his canoe to the other side, and then the man vanished. So that's how he had to. And when we close, because when we went to the, from the river to the place about seven miles or eight miles, when we get there, we said, how do we go? We said, somebody to say that after six o'clock, nobody goes to But we did. So when they. So the, they gave you place to sleep that night, yes, yes. and then the Muslims started causing problems, telling them the people in the village that these Christians were bad people. And the villagers said to them, said, well, what, what did these Christians do? They didn't do anything Can bad. Can you tell us what the bad thing they do that you are saying they are bad people? You just mentioned it. The chief was asking them. The chief, the chief of the village was asking them. So and he tell us to come. Let them also come so that we see the truth. Mm -hmm. Whether you are telling us the truth or you Muslims are telling us the truth or the Christians will tell us the truth. And when we went, a lot of people gave their life to Christ. And they are just there now. Mm -hmm. 
Then, then two years after that, he wanted to cross and go overseas on the east side of the river. So tell us about that time. Um, you had never been there before. We're talking remote area. We're talking no roads, nothing. So they prayed that the Holy, that the Holy Spirit would lead them of how they should go. So after they crossed the first river, they came to a second river that they had to cross. So it was that In the night, in the night, in a river. Idols, statues of idol worship. And we asked them, do you ever hear about Jesus? They said, no. Who is Jesus? They said, now we ask you. A witch, a witch doctor accepted Christ in that region. And then, now when I say, when I say this is remote, I'm talking remote. Some, when they're in the rainy season, when the river rises, some of these villages have no way to communicate with anybody else because the water's too deep and it's moving too fast. So they're isolated. To get salt into their food, they can. When in rainy season, the roads are cut. When the rivers are full, nothing can go there. He's saying that in the rainy season, you can't even buy salt to season your food with because you're totally cut off. And so the the witch doctor got saved and a soothsayer got saved. Yes. A fortune teller. And then they brought they brought a pastor's uh, brother's uh, son to you that had spinal meningitis. I went back the, the following year to mm -hmm. visit the church. Mm -hmm. And the pastor that my, when I had around, around, around five o'clock, they brought a, a boy. The load was running, the man was running water. The, he was 
No, no hospitals in there. Viper. This this viper, he, he's saying that the man came with a, a snake that he had been bitten. He killed the snake after it bit him. This snake, after it bites you, any place that you have a scar from previous, from growing up or whatever, it breaks down that tissue and you bleed to death. That's what this snake does. And they say I should pray for this man. I was feeling because I know that when I was looking at the snake, praying for him, in fact, my head took the baby. But I prayed. I said, if it is because of this you bring me here, God don't disgrace your head. Magnify your name. And I pray for this man. And he walked home. Now, in this overseas area now, there's about 45 churches now. Now, understand, it's not a church like this. Some of them have buildings, and some of them meet outside under a tree. <laughs> there's the church there. Amen, amen. Now... Now let me let's just wrap this up. God also called you to start a girls' school, which we referred to the sewing machines earlier. And you started one in the central region because that was the time frame that God spoke to you. But then you also started one in the north for these girls. And how did you find these girls? What what, what kind of girls are these that? that you found for your school? There are girls who came from broken homes. Their father died and their mother remarried uh, another man. The girl had just been killed. Because the woman would leave her in, the, her in her house, far out, and go and marry another man. So this girl, one day, So these girls, maybe um, their father passed away and then their mother remarried. Well, then the oh, new, new husband, this is not his daughter. So he'll abuse this girl because it's not officially his daughter. Or he may beat her or, or whatever. And be, he doesn't care about her or vice versa. It could be... The, the man's wife died, 
and he remarried, and then the mother will abuse the child. So they send them, they, the girl will leave the home and just walk the streets, or, you know, in villages there are no streets, there are just paths and whatnot. So that's where he goes to find these girls to bring to his school. They have lots of that on the street there, they have, they abuse them, they have female whom they don't even know who they give them they get pregnant and have children and so it's just it's it's just a mess so this school that you bring these girls to in the in your school you teach them to read and write you teach them to sew you teach them to make bars of soap all of these things that they can sell um they you teach them to make oils for their skin we you see in the store Shea nut butter or shea butter, you call it. Well, you, we didn't originate that. These guys originated it. So they make oils and that for their skin because in, in this area of, of the world, it's very dry, dry, dry. So they, he teaches them to do that. They make liquid soap or dish soap. He teaches them to do that. And then he teaches them tie-dye, how to dye clothes so that then they can sew them and, and, and sell the shirts and whatever. And then they get, um, he calls them slippers. They'd be ladies' sandals, and, he, and they decorate the sandals. So they buy a basic stripped-down sandal, and they decorate it with stones or what. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what he does in the school. Um, and so last year... He graduated the 22, which was uh, this, which we got the sewing machines for. And so th- you started the first school in 2001. So from that time until now, you've graduated 66 girls. And right now in his school, there's 44 that he has. 44. 66 in summer. Okay. But total in a class okay I had it wrong my my <laughs> he started his school in the central part of the country and then he started the school in the north so combining those is how much 375 girls that have graduated yeah there some boys came into the school too but it's primarily a girls school but 66 are in the north. Mm-hmm. Because so I, I will be going back in two days' time. I will, be go, I will go back to church in summer. And that's where he's, I he's forced to retire as a preacher, <laughs> pastor, in two years. When so you are 65 in Assembly of God, Ghana, you are forced, you, 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 you will cause God to become so soft and you don't know. <laughs> So I, I asked him, I said, well, tell me, give me an idea of how much it costs to run your school. And he said it was, it was about $1,200 a month to buy food for them and pay. There's people there that teach them these things. And, of course, you have to, you have to pay them. So I want you just to ch- share with us quickly before we go of, about, of a few girls that came to your school. One is Antifa. And if uh, from father, mother died once was very abusive. So about three, she can't remember that. 
And stole her things. And stole her. She went back with nothing. So she went back to the Lord. Not nowhere. She had to run back to her to her cry again. And went for one whole year. And that happened to her again. So she ran back to the Lord. They, they were wanting to give her to a marriage. She ran back again. And one day she was they asked her to, to pack a drum jack poison, they poured poison out of the drum jack. She was packing it and in the warehouse and collapsed. Mm. So she, just so that you follow, she was working for a year to save her money and a man tricked her and stole all of her stuff and raped her. So she went back up to the north and didn't have work. So she went back down to the south and did it again for another year, worked and saved her money. And the second, another man came and stole her money, deceived her, and raped her again. So she was working down in the capital city, filling up barrels of DDT, which is poison, and no mask. And so she was inhaling it when she pa when she fainted. He said, "Pass so down." Covered the head. Covered the head. Mm -hmm. So he tell God that if you you are God, why am I facing all this trouble? I have no mother, no father, nothing. If you are doing this to me, do something. If you don't do something, I will kill myself. Then he went to one place and he hear about me and he, they call me. So I took her to. She was in my uh, house for uh, for the four years. And then Fatima. This girl was eight years when somebody brought her to me in Damascus. Uh, what I was uh, under uh, Reverend Esther. She has sores all over her body. Sores. Sores all over, all over the body. And I touched her. I never seen a little thing in one person's body. They were so many. It, it, because there of lice, there was. He was saying that there's so many, so many lice that were in her hair. He's never seen anybody. Even with hair, dressing hair plus. So we touch the hair. We didn't want. We didn't have soap to wash back. We didn't want a week. The other soap was clean, and she played. She was in my house for eight years. Nobody would suspect his hair and. Now she married a, a school teacher, 
with Gucci Mane. We could go on and on and on. And what we've done, John and I have done this week, is sit and talk and remember. We've told stories and reflected on when we were a lot younger than we are now. When we had more strength than we have now. And looking back at all the things that God has done for us and helped us. And I know you see me here and many of you don't even know. And sometimes I make comments from time to time or share a little tidbit of a story or whatever. This is real. And people live like this today, not just from years ago live like this today. And there are people like John who's not called to be in America. He wouldn't stay here if you paid him to stay here. No. But he... <laughs> <laughs> there are many, I say that because there are many who would take money and stay and live here. But he is called to that area of the world, plain and simple. It doesn't matter what the difficulty is, doesn't matter what the education level is, doesn't matter what the income is, doesn't matter how hard the conditions are, doesn't matter. He's focused on bringing the gospel to people who have never heard. It's that simple. Yeah. You can say whatever you want.
she could travel about 200 or miles to buy just sugar or salt. Mm -hmm. So what I did that? This man was really pushed by God. Because we thank God in the room. We thank God. So I'm spending what we shouldn't do. Amen. Amen. You can go and sit down. You can go and sit down.